Welcome to the All In Your Head podcast, where we get all in your head. We are a mental health podcast focused on anything and everything mental health. We'll have special guests ranging from mental health experts, mental health advocates, and just everyday people with real struggles. We will share laughs, we will share cries, but most importantly, we will have real conversations about mental health. So with that being said, let's get all in your head. Woohoo! I've been surrounded by, you know, physicians my whole life, Mm. but I was, uh, (laughs) my mom's a pediatrician. And so she was always talking about poop. And so (laughs) when I was really little, I I was like, I don't know who scammed you, but doctors just talk about poop. Like (laughs) I don't want to be a doctor. So I went back and got my healthcare MBA and I've always been on the business side of healthcare. Okay. And Kruthi, you know, we started talking about mental health and what's wrong. What do you think is wrong with mental health? Well, I think um, there's too much money in it going to the wrong people. Mm. And I think there's not enough accountability in mental health. And I think the way mental health is regulated is completely outdated yeah you know we talk a lot about innovation and mental health and how we're so much more innovative than we we have been in the past and i don't see it Uh, a lot of what i see is just everything is moving to a digital platform or or where you can now do sessions behind your computer Uh, and that's that's a lot of the innovation that i've seen which isn't really innovation it's just changing how you do therapy Are you seeing some good innovation out there? Well, when we think about innovation, you're usually thinking about something that is faster, better, or cheaper. Mm. And I think that a lot of the innovation has been around cheaper Mm. or faster, but not better. Mm. And I think that's where we're really lacking because all of the data points to better has to be person to person. Mm. And we're running out of people, right? (laughs) There's only so many therapists, like it's not a secret, right? They're just not enough therapists to meet the demand. There weren't five years ago. And now that the system is so strange, there definitely aren't now. So then if you're thinking about innovation, you have to think about innovation in the context of mental health being a labor problem. Mm. Fundamentally, there's not enough labor. So that's where I think innovation needs to happen in how do we make mental health better and how do we expand the labor force? And so that's where Healthy Gamer kind of sits. I think we're doing some things in the field to provide more access. And I'm in Colorado. In Colorado, they're allowing clinical interns to provide services sooner and be able to bill insurance and Medicaid and different things like that. And people are all excited about it, that we have more providers now. The problem is I also teach in the university and Mm -hmm. I'm interacting with these students. The problem is they don't know what they're doing and and, and I'm I'm being serious. And, and so a lot of my work and I started a a YouTube channel as well, the mental health skills training camp. And the reason why I started that is just to provide more skills to people. It's like, I don't know how else to help people, but it's really, really important. The stakes are really high. 
we do role plays and in, in, in class and try out different techniques and students make mistakes. And I want them to make mistakes in those safe environments because there's no, there's no stakes in class. But when you leave and you're providing therapy to real people with real problems, the stakes are really high. So that's, that's one of the big problems that I see is that we're sending people out there who don't know how to do therapy. And I'm on the other side, I'm on the hiring side and I'm getting students out of universities and out of colleges and I'm having to just start from scratch yeah, and almost assume that they don't know anything and just, just starting from the beginning. And that's, that's really, that's, it's frustrating as a professor. It's also frustrating as a, as a mental health leader as well. I've heard quite a bit of that from, so our advisory board at Healthy Gamer is comprised of, you know, just really incredible leaders with incredible experience in mental health. And I've heard a good amount from them how a lot of their day is spent cleaning up messes from other clinicians or Mm. people who really had no business um, working with the population that they're working with. And that's where I wonder about accountability mm. and, you know, like how, how is a patient supposed to know or understand like, Hey, I'm actually not being well served here. Mm-hmm. And so well, that patient well, education part, I think is important. Well, even on top of that, how, as a clinical supervisor, do you know if you have a quality yeah. therapist, right? Yeah. And I've been saying that for a long time. There's only one way you really know. Well, there's a couple of ways, but one of the main ways that you know is to observe and to be a part of those meetings and sessions and see what's going on. And we don't, as clinical supervisors, we don't we don't do that enough. There's other ways that you can measure client feedback, uh, how long clients stay in treatment. You know, if right. you have if you have clients that by the third session they're out, uh, that's also I think an indicator that there may be some challenges. But I think one one main way, and, and nobody has time for it, and that's part of the reason why no one does it. Clinical supervisors are really busy too, and they're given a lot of tasks and and focus on different areas. But to me, that's been the the main way I can tell if someone is effective at what they're doing is by being a part of the intervention. And yeah. we just we just don't do that enough. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting to hear that perspective for me um, because I think especially in the wave of a lot of digital companies, digital health companies, um, like Cerebral, BetterHelp, et cetera. I hear a lot of, you know, therapist backlash against those companies. And that's where I think it it gets really interesting. The accountability question becomes Mm -hmm. really interesting, right? Because that patient is now a customer of this larger company and they're going to hold that company accountable. Yeah. And that company is then going to want to hold the therapist accountable, but those therapists are contract workers and they're screaming burnout. They're screaming, I can't work this caseload. They're screaming, you're not paying me enough to work this caseload. And they're saying, where's the intake process? How do I agree to take on this patient in the first place? Yeah. And there's no screening process. Right. You know? And I know this for a fact, those companies don't screen therapists, they don't interview therapists, they do have brief interviews, and it's basically, hey, are you licensed? Can you prove it? And, you know, how much time do you have available is essentially what that interview looks like. They have no idea 
uh, of the quality of the treatment. And I, I hear rumblings that they're making steps in, the, in that area. I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. I hope they are because like I said before, there's a lot of stake. I mean, people's mental health is a lot of stake. We would never do that in the medical field, right? Like we would never send providers out there that maybe they know what they're doing. And you would never see a doctor yourself or a dentist that you, you're you hoping, you're just hoping that they know what they're doing. And I actually feel bad for people who are looking for therapists right now, because I think there are more therapists, but the quality, it's really hard to find a quality therapist. And some pe- people don't even know the questions to ask. Uh, it, you know, a lot of times therapists will do consultations to to get to know a therapist and see if it's a good fit. But I don't think clients even know the questions to ask, right? So if you're generally a good person and you can carry a, some small talk in a 15-minute consultation, there's a good chance that you're going to be this person's therapist. But that doesn't mean you know what you're doing. <laughs> I thought we were going to spend this time with you maybe softly making the case that, you know, maybe there's something to be said or done for the quality of yeah. training therapists. But I think you're already on board <laughs> uh, this is the all in your head podcast we keep it real on here so we, yeah <laughs> yeah we have real conversation we don't have time to beat around the bush there's too much like i said there's too much at stake right like these things that we're talking about are really important yeah i agree and so one of the things you know i work in the subclinical space because healthy gamer was designed essentially first as psychoeducation Um, content. And our whole premise, right, is we meet people where they're at. So we started with this suspicion that the gaming community was particularly underserved. And when you look at the gaming community, what is it? It's young men, predominantly, Mm. right? And so we saw it as gamers, whereas I think, you know, the mental health industry would look at it as young men. So potato, potato. (laughs) But we essentially went to Twitch and started streaming these very authentic, vulnerable conversations um, and interviews around mental health. And then what we ended up seeing was this relatability factor and this kind of demystifying of like, oh, wait, I never thought therapy could help me, but now I see what it is I could work on. But even more impactful than that was this phenomena we call AOE healing, where it's, and it's like a gaming term, right? In gaming, things are either single target Mm -hmm. or area of effect, and you can single target damage, like shooting, Mm -hmm. or area of effect damage. You can single target healing, like a potion, or you can area of effect heal. And what we saw with our Twitch streams was a lot of people all over the world watching this live conversation saying, oh, that's what's been holding me back or, Oh, I do need to have this hard conversation with my mother or, Oh, this was me six or, you know, this person, what he's describing as his past is where I'm at now. I'm so glad to see that there's hope and there's a way forward. And that psychoeducation content on Twitch and then YouTube is really where we found we could do the most good and just helping people understand their mind, but also helping them understand how you can get the most out of therapy, how you can find the right therapist. What kind of autonomy do you really have in kind of that patient responsibility? If you're going to engage with a therapist, you know, your therapist can't just fix your life for you. You have to take some accountability there too. 
And then we started our coaching program as like a complement to therapy. Yeah, I like that. We talked before about you meeting people where they're at, but you're also speaking their language, which I think is really important right. as therapists. We love to talk our own language and talk therapeutic lingo and impress people with our fancy words. And but you're using the, the the terms, the lingo that you know your gamers use that they can connect with and understand a message probably a lot differently than if you were to use some of that therapeutic language, which I think is great. So what does that lead to? Do gamers end up finding therapists and start working with therapists? Like what does what is it, what is essentially the goal? Um, what I've seen are maybe four different paths forward, um, not mutually exclusive. Some are like, this has been incredibly enlightening. I made it like, and you'll see it in the YouTube comments. I just made my first appointment. I feel better already. Or people saying, you know, I didn't have a great experience with therapy, but I'm going to give it another shot. I, I see now that I have more autonomy. I can choose the therapist that's going to work for me. So one route is therapy. The second route is community where mm -hmm. they say, wow, it's so empowering and liberating to be able to talk about this stuff with other people who get me. And so we do all sorts of stuff on our discord server where we'll do meditation events, um, career workshops. We did this thing that was really great in August called the social sandbox where people were literally just practicing how to introduce themselves. Mm -hmm. Great for back to school, right? After a pandemic. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the second route is community. The third route is just content. And it's just this kind of self-study, self-discovery thing. It's kind of, I don't know, the web 2.0 version of like self-help, right? Mm -hmm. Like where people are going to go down this algorithmic route of first trying to understand loneliness, then trying to understand ego, then trying to understand their relationships, then trying to understand how it is that they try to validate themselves through those relationships, right? Yeah. It's almost this like prescriptive content route that like the algorithm will feed people. Yeah. Kind of cool and interesting. Yeah. And then the fourth is our coaching program where it's more of a peer-based program that helps people with all of the kind of under the surface stuff, like how to make friends, how to keep your friends, how to like somebody holding you accountable. Okay, let's go through your resume. Let's go through your career options. Let's go through this and work on this together. Let's do a mock interview together. And it's like the friend you can trust that's going to kind of kick your ass a little bit yeah, and yeah. hold you accountable. So I would say those are like the four ways. I work with people who are oftentimes they call themselves screen addicts or gaming addicts. And when I work together, we measure the decrease, but also the increase. And so some of that decrease is spending less time in front of the screen, but then measuring the increases. If you're not in front of the screen, what are you doing instead? Yes. So I like that you're spending time building those skills, right? And not just saying, because a lot of times, you know, I'm getting older and sometimes I feel like a grumpy old man and, and, and part of that grumpy old man is stop playing video games. It's bad for your brain, you know? And I think part of the message is maybe stop spending so much time in front of the screen, but what are you doing instead, right? And being able to build exactly. those skills and what they're doing instead, that's what's going to make that sustainable. Exactly. Because you're building those relationships, you're uh, building employment, you're building hobbies, activities, you're getting people connected to nature and the sun, the vitamin D3 that you get from the sun, exercising. Is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, basically. Cause you know, when we think about like 
video game addiction, right? A lot of people want to go straight to that like abstinence model that mm. you borrow from, you know, substance abuse. Yeah. But that, we, I think we all know that that's not really what's going on here, right? right? So you can't just be like, you're right. You can't just be like, turn that thing off. Then mm. what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when you're thinking about young people, like just that mindset, like, the most anxious, the loneliest, the most disconnected, and they're not even having fun, you know, fun in the way that we did when we were in high school. Mm. They're not doing drugs. They're not drinking. They're not having sex, like teen pregnancy down, rate of alcohol yeah. down, rate of drugs, everything. So like, what are they doing? They're on their screens. Yeah. And obviously we're not going to be like, put that down, go have some, you know, 90s style <laughs> fun in high school. Right. But what are they going to do? The arts programs defunded, music programs Mm. defunded, you know, computer science programs, those are expensive. Like, what do you expect all these kids to do? And so I think in the absence of that, I think you're right. Just saying stop that and creating a vacuum is not at all helpful. So that focus on the increase, whether it's by skills or friendships or like getting people the confidence that, you know, there, we all know that there's like a crisis in young men's like sexuality right now too. Right. Where like, how are you going to get out there and start dating? How are you going to like disconnect from this like tech induced idea of what relationships and sex are like and get out there in the real world. So that Mm -hmm. kind of shake to somebody to say like the real world isn't so scary I think is really um, helpful. Yeah. So if we have parents listening to this podcast and maybe they have a kid who they think is spending too much time behind the screens, whatever that is for that family, what do you think that their first step should be? The first step is to move video game plus kid on one side and the parent on the other side. It cannot be you against the game and your kid. It has to be you and your kid on the same team against whatever it is. Yeah, I like that. So move whose side you're on and whose side you're against. Yeah, I like that. That's really good advice. If someone is listening and they're a gamer yeah, and they feel they may have an issue or a challenge, what can they do to get help? There's a number of things. So we always think about developing a competing interest, right? Whether it's your social life and like the drives that games play, sometimes it's community-based. Okay, if you're finding community in gaming, where else can you find community? If it's the intellectual challenge, okay, where else might you find an intellectual challenge? If it's like the sense of competition, well, hey, that might be a career for you. I wouldn't necessarily say put that down, but maybe there are other things that would help you feel that competitive drive. So, you know, there's like that kind of basic stuff, but our, our coaching programs really help people walk through this step by step. And, um, we coach parents as well in like developing that alliance with their kids and identifying these drives and emotions and helping them understand this psychological effects of spending a lot of time behind the controller. Right. So our coaching programs are incredible and they're meant to be because we're subclinical. Our play isn't how do we squeeze the most money out of the insurance system. (laughs) Our play is how do I make this as affordable as I can for the person who's going to pay for it? Yeah, that's great. 
And then lastly, if you're a therapist and you're helping <laughs> someone who's maybe dealing with this, what advice would you give to a therapist and working with this type of client? Yeah, it, we're actually launching the HG Institute here in a few weeks. Um, and we just got, you know, the accreditations and went through that whole thing. There are a couple of things I think for therapists. One is understanding the comorbidities of video game addiction with substance abuse in particular. Um, being cautious of it's not maybe just depression and SSRI isn't going to mm -hmm. fix this. There's mm -hmm. more going on here. And the third, I think, is really that cultural gap of, you know, more than half of therapists now are over the age of 50. So we have to let go of what you're calling that grumpy old man <laughs> thinking, right? Of like, games are where it's at, man. Because like, again, like, Boy Scouts, like kids aren't doing that stuff anymore. Yeah. They're not going to church. Their parents are getting divorced. Like all of those classic safe spaces for kids, we don't have that anymore. So of yeah. course, something's got to step in and fill that gap. And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to play it, it's been video games. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great. And I'm trying really hard not to be that get off my lawn therapist. <laughs> I think I'm doing a <laughs> decent job, but I have to work harder and harder as I get older. So this is really good information. And I will put information in the show notes as well as to how people can contact your services and and, and help. And but just to be real clear, what are the avenues that people can get help? So if you're struggling with gaming addiction or have a kid that you think has a problematic relationship with technology, the website is healthygamer.gg. And that's where you can find either a coach or a content resource or a supportive community to help you figure out a path forward. I think most mental health practitioners will kind of agree that the hardest part is when you feel alone in mm. what you're dealing with the biggest sigh of relief people get is when you're like oh shit it's not just me i'm not a terrible parent i'm not a waste of space as a human mm. i'm not gonna die a virgin or whatever it is you know that people think when yeah. they're 26 unemployed playing video games all day smoking pot all day yeah. you know there there is a way forward and i know you have a youtube channel as well right that's right. Um, healthy gamer underscore GG on Twitch, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Reddit. Reddit yeah. is also a really cool forum. And then on Discord as well, where you know you can join these community challenges. And that's kind of the fun part about this. Like on the one hand, technology bad. On the other hand, technology is power, it's yeah. information, it's access. And I think I read that you all just hit 1 million subscribers on your YouTube channel. We did. It was a big day for us. It was really exciting. So what that tells me is that this is getting a lot of people's attention. It is. And what I, what I interpret that click subscribe button to be is I'm going to work on myself. Mm. I'm going to click this button because I want to learn more about my mind, my mental health. And here's like the very smallest of commitments somebody can make right towards getting better but one of the our kind of mantras here is the most important step is the next step so if we help somebody take the next step that's the most important thing we could have done Kruthi I think you all are doing an amazing job meeting people where they're at 
speaking their language, giving them access to support, education, services, keep up the good work. And it's just, it's just amazing what you all are doing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And like, I appreciate you fighting good fight in skills for therapists, accountability and therapy. I think it's really cool. And of course, wishing you all the best as you grow your podcast and channels as well. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. You have just listened to the All In Your Head podcast. Learn more by following Jamie Glick on LinkedIn or by subscribing to the Mental Health Training Camp YouTube channel. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, you can call now or text 988 to get connected to free confidential support. Thanks for listening.